story came out Friday. Mark Hawk, along with Ryan Marie Hawk, seven children. Mark's a well-known pro-life author, sidewalk counselor, father of seven. And thank goodness the SWAT team came into his house. Yes, yes, came into his house, broke the door down, scared the hell out of the family, and he is in jail today. Uh, apparently, he violated the FACE Act. Now, I wanted to understand exactly what the FACE Act is, so I looked it up. Let me see if I can find it here. FACE Act. No, it was moved. That's helpful. So the FACE Act, basically what, what the FACE Act is, I don't know where it was moved to, but basically the FACE Act is something that... Um, the uh, local governments and even the federal government can bring up charges on if you are trying to block somebody from going into an abortion clinic. The freedom of access to clinic entrances. Okay. Face. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, freedom. Yeah. Okay. I was like, what is the... I, can we stop naming them <laughs> so stupid, stupid names? Are we so anyway, dumb we need to like summarize we the... We are. are. Okay, so you you can't block somebody from having access. Well, he didn't block anybody from having access. There was another street performer, uh, somebody else who was screaming at the other side, and he and his son were there, and they were praying, um, and this activist, who was not going into the uh, Planned Parenthood, wasn't escorting anybody, he starts screaming at Mark and his son. Uh, and not sure exactly what happened, but it got to a place to where this guy had cornered Mark's son. And Mark said, back off, back off. The guy doesn't back off, so he shoves Mark. Now, word is this guy's a, what do they call him, a tumbler, I think. He's a guy who, if you touch him, he falls down. Uh, oh, a flopper. Oh, my gosh. A flopper. a flopper. He's like the LeBron James of abortion clinics. Okay. Apparently. Apparently. Allegedly. Okay. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yes. Thank you. So uh, the police come and they arrest uh, the father of seven for pushing this man to the ground. Planned Parenthood has got it all on tape. They got it on tape. So it goes to trial and the case is dismissed. Wait a minute. I haven't heard that part of the story. The case was dismissed. I thought the FBI. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. The, the Justice Department heard about this case and thought it was so egregious that if the local police and state police won't do anything about it, we certainly will. So they went in kicking and screaming into this house of this family. Um, they, 25 or 30 FBI agents swarm the property, 15 vehicles. It's seven o'clock in the morning. They surround the house with rifles in firing position and they start pounding on the door, yelling for the family to open up the door. And he approaches. Now the kids are upstairs. They're everybody screaming and crying. Um, and he's telling them to calm down. 
And he's trying to calm the FBI down as well. He says, please, I am going to open the door, but please, my children are in the home. I have seven babies in the house. And they just kept pounding and screaming. The FBI did. When he opened the door, according to him, they had big, huge rifles pointed at him and pointed at mom. And then they went into the house and were pointing them throughout the house. When they, when they came in, they ordered the kids to stay, uh, stay upstairs. The staircase is open. So the kids were all at the top of the stairs with faces the front door. I was on the stairs as well coming down. Kids were all just screaming. It was very scary and traumatic. Uh, after asking why they were at the house, the agent said that there had been uh, there to arrest Mark. When mom asked for their warrant, they said that they were going to take him whether they had a warrant or not. When she said, uh, that's kidnapping. You can't just come into a person's house and kidnap them at gunpoint. They agreed to get the warrant uh, from for her from one of the vehicles. Oh, good. At this point, Mark asked her to get him a sweatshirt and his rosary beads. Uh, when she returned, they had already loaded him up into the vehicle. Now, what did this guy do again that warranted this? Our friends who voted for Democrats, is this the America you want? Any friend who votes differently, any American citizen that votes differently, do you want a guy getting his door kicked in after the charges were dismissed in court? Do you want the FBI kicking down his door for pushing a guy who was yelling at his son, pushing him down to the ground? I'm not for violence. He's not for violence. He's never been violent before. It was a dad responding. The court dismisses it. Is this the America you want? Because once you get out of line, once you decide, if we don't all stand together now, you're not going to make it. You'll be the one finishing the poem. When they came for me, there was no one left. You will be the one finishing the poem. You have to stand up now. We have to stand up together and say... The Department of Justice and the FBI is completely out of control. I don't think the Postal Service should be spying on American people. Another whistleblower has come out from the FBI to warn about the politicalization of the FBI, saying the Bureau is spying on law-abiding citizens and that many of its domestic counterterrorism cases are tantamount to entrapment. Another FBI agent is coming out and saying this now. There's in an interview with the Washington Times. Quote, my team was deployed 20 or 25 different high-profile national terrorism organizations investigating what I saw uh, is... Um, the 
the counterterrorism investigations is always and unequivocally morally equivalent to a tra- entrapment, even if there's legal definition that allows them to skirt that. They are using every tool. Isn't this what people did to Martin Luther King? Isn't this what people did when the government was completely out of control in the past? And isn't this exactly what others did to their political enemies in every country that has ever been run by thugs? I still believe in America. I still believe in my neighbor. I still believe in the neighbor who votes differently than me. I, I think that there are a lot of people that are feeling it now, but they don't know what to do. And they don't know if they want to lose all their friends, their status, because they're not really sure. Reassure them that you're not the crazy one. Reassure them. Don't try to change their mind. Just ask them questions. Are you really, are you really for the transgenders? You're re- you're really okay with hospitals mutilating young children when there is no scientific proof that this is good. In fact, if you're trying to stop suicides, this makes suicides worse. You really, I don't understand. And even if you're for that, help me out on the on the trans library parties i'm not for banning books i don't want to ban books at libraries books where in a children's section at a school yeah there are books i'm not going to put a playboy there you wouldn't put a playboy there then why would you put this it's much more explicit than a playboy and it is it's it's showing kids how to engage in all kinds of different sex for first grade third grade really you're for that now Wake your friends up. Wake them up. Because first they came for the January 6th protesters. Even the peaceful ones. And they charged them with parading. And I didn't speak out. Then they came for the guns, gun rights supporters. And I didn't speak out. Because I wasn't a gun owner. Then they came for the pro-life activists. And I didn't speak out or stand up because, yeah, I'm pro-life, but I've not, I'm not an activist. Now they come for people who voted for Trump, but I didn't vote for Trump. I got news for you. That's 50% of the nation. You add in the hatred of white people, Asians, cisgender, and gays that don't support trans, shown in libraries. That's an awful lot of people. Who will be left to defend you? Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Washington Gun Law TV. I am Washington Gun Law President William Kirk. Thanks for joining us. Well, in the summer of 2022, we have been spending a lot of time talking about this particular administration and this particular ATF's desire to disarm you, 
the lawful and responsible gun owner nationwide. To that end, in the last year, we have seen the ATF raid companies such as Polymer 80, Rare Breed Trigger, and of course, Diversified Machine. Now, that is where we are used to the ATF knocking on doors or kicking in doors. We always hear horror stories about what if the ATF comes knocking on my door, but candidly, when would that ever really happen? Well, it is the year 2022, and that is in fact happening. So today, unfortunately, we're going to have to spend a little time and talk about what do you do if the ATF comes knocking at your door? Okay, so the issue we're talking about, it should not be that unfamiliar to you because the video, this ring doorbell camera video has been kicking around on the YouTube reverse here now for a few days. But to get you up to speed, a Delaware gentleman, otherwise lawful and responsible gun owner who had the audacity to purchase more than one firearm at a time, received this interesting little visit from two members of the ATF as well as local law enforcement. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's all, I'm, all I'm doing is verifying that, look, verifying that you have it. You got two different purchases. Okay. If you have them, I'm out of here. That's how quick it is. Yeah. You have them with you by any chance? Are they, if you, get, if you can unload them and bring them out, or you can go out to your foyer here, check them out by number, sheer number, and we're out of here. Yes. Yep. When you purchase more than two guns at a time, it generates a, a multiple sale report. It comes to us and we have to check them out. That's, okay. that's all that is. You did nothing wrong. Yeah. Did absolutely zero. Uh, I noticed that you were stopped in Philly, though, right? With one of your guns? Wait. You feel more comfortable? I'm okay. I, just, I didn't expect that. Oh, no. Wait, listen, it just came up. I'm telling you. That's, that's why we, we came here. Look, there's, a, there's an email from the, from the federal side saying, hey, can you make sure this guy's got his gun? Now, if you recently purchased a whole bunch of guns, if we can look at them and just, I have just scratch them off, and that way, because I know we won't see this place again. Yeah, we can just write which ones you just bought, and yeah. so we save a trip coming back and confirm that you have. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll go get them. Okay. Okay. Uh, we'll, we will wait okay. out here. Okay. We will stay out here. Okay. You can lock yourself in there. Little boy, Aaron. Right. We'll, we'll oh, no, no. Listen, I understand. You, we'll stay out here. No big deal. Okay. okay. All right. So while there's a lot of things to unpack here with this video, what I want to do today is talk to you guys about what do you do and don't do if, God forbid, you end up like this Delaware gentleman. Now, as you can see from what one of the ATF agents said, yes, when you do purchase more than one firearm at a time, no matter where the FFL is, no matter what corner of the country it is, they do have to generate a report that is sent to ATF. That certainly alerts the ATF that people are buying multiple firearms. Now, what's the big deal about buying multiple firearms? I myself have made more than one purchase in one sitting. Um, but what the ATF and what this particular administration believes is that no person would be buying more than one firearm unless one of two things was going to occur. Number one, they were actually purchasing the firearm for somebody else. That is an unlawful straw purchase. Or, of course, they're planning a mass shooting. 
Okay, so I spent a year doing videos saying, hey, don't worry, the ATF's probably not going to be knocking on your doors, and we can just scrap all of that now because apparently the ATF is willing to come knock at individual doors. So what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about all the things you need to do and not do if you get one of these visits. Okay, the first thing and perhaps the most important thing, do not consent to a search. No matter how lawful your behavior is, there is no reason for you to be consenting to a search. Remember, if law enforcement is asking you for permission to search, it's because they have no other legal method by which they can conduct that search. If they have a warrant, they don't need your permission. If they have a warrant, they will not get your permission. If they have a warrant, it will be your responsibility to get out of the way so that they can, in fact, execute the warrant. But if they're at your front door asking to come in, asking to take a look around, asking to see the gun safe, the correct answer is, I'm sorry, I'm not willing to do that at the current time. I'd like to consult with my attorney first. Let's repeat that. I'm sorry, I'm not willing to do that at this current time. I'd like to consult with my attorney first. Okay, rule number two. Do not discuss any details of your firearm collection or any recent purchases with law enforcement. Let us not forget that they are there for some reason, and that reason is probably not to present you with a large check from Publishers Clearinghouse. No, they are there because they believe or they have suspicion that a crime may have been committed or is currently being committed, and any information that you provide them can and will be used against you if possible. So under no circumstances do I want you discussing any component of your collection or any recent purchases. If they insist on asking you about purchases or components within your collection, the correct answer is, I'm sorry, I'm not comfortable talking about that right now. Perhaps we can discuss this later after I've had a chance to consult with my attorney. Number three, do not discuss the contents of your home or any other people in the home. Do not discuss any of your activities related to firearms for the same reasons that I previously mentioned, giving the same answer, which is, again, it's not that I don't want to talk to you. I just need to confer with my counsel first before I say anything. Now, if law enforcement does show up with a warrant, this is the truth here, there's nothing you can do. They are going to conduct that search come hell or high water. They have judicial authority to do that. You need to make sure that they cannot cite you for obstructing, resisting, or anything like that where you're trying to thwart the investigation. You need to stand aside and allow the search to take place. Do not obstruct with that search in any way, shape, or form. Do not make any statements. Make zero statements during the course of that search. Now, if the ATF does seize property, they are going to present you with one of two forms to sign. The first is the 3400.1, which we're going to talk about in a second. And the second one is the 3400.23. Now, one of these forms, I don't have a problem with you signing. The other one of these forms, however, you are not to sign under any circumstance. Let's talk about the form that you do not sign under any circumstance. That is form 3400.1. And when you see the title, you'll see why. Because the title of this form is Consent to Forfeiture or Destruction of Property and Waiver of Notice. If you sign form 3400.1, if you sign this form, you have consented to the seizure of your property you have consented to the destruction of your property. 
it is good as say goodbye to your property the minute you sign this you have given the federal government full authority to seize and to destroy or to seize and use as evidence against you later on in trial so under no circumstance let me repeat this under no circumstance are we to sign form 3400.1 let me repeat that do not sign Form 3400.1. Now, the other form, 3400.23, is a little bit more innocuous. That form is, is entitled Receipt for Property and Other Items. All this is is an inventory list of what items have been taken from you. Yes, you should carefully examine this form. You should make any alterations or amendments so that there is an accurate accounting of any item that was taken from you. And yes, you can, in fact, sign this form. Signing this form is not a waiver of any right you have to that property. It is not a forfeiture of that. It is not a consent for any destruction or anything. It is merely I acknowledge that this is the property that was taken from me. You need that form because if you're going to commence a legal action against the federal government to retrieve that property, it is this form that will be used to inventory the items that are subject to that action. So the bottom line is, is if you get one of these visits, like this poor gentleman did in Delaware. Verify that you have it. You got two different purchases. If you have them, I'm out of here then you are to not consent to any search whatsoever. You are not to discuss any details of your firearm collection or recent purchases. You are not to discuss any purchases or ownership by anyone else in the household. If they have a search warrant, you cannot and should not resist or obstruct in any way, shape, or form. You should make no statements whatsoever. If you are in fact arrested, yes, they will advise you of your Miranda rights. We all know what those say. And the only thing you need to remember about Miranda is what the first sentence says, which is you have the right to remain silent. Shut the hell up. Do not say anything until you've had an opportunity to discuss this case with counsel. Now, if you have been presented with a form to sign for property which has been seized, under no circumstances should you sign 3400.1. Again, under no circumstances should 3400.1 be signed. That is a voluntary forfeiture and consent to destruction of your property. Now, 3400.23 is a different story. That is a direct and accounting of your inventory that was seized by the federal government. That should be very accurately accounted for. And yes, it should be signed by you. I hope that none of you ever need this advice, but if you do, if the ATF comes calling, or you have any other questions related to your Second Amendment rights, remember that you can always contact us here at Washington Gun Law at WashingtonGunLaw.com, or of course you can call us directly at 425-765-0487. Now let's remember, part of being the lawful and responsible gun owner, like we talk about all the time here at Washington Gun Law, is to know what the law is in every situation and how it applies to you in any instance that you may find yourself. Until next time, thanks for watching. Stay safe. blockbuster investigative report coming out of Politico that really talks about four NGOs, the Gates Foundation, Gavi, Seppi, and Welcome. And that really, and by the way, this is a joint venture report between Politico and Die Welt, which is the big German media company and paper uh, that lays out that it wasn't really governments in charge of this and kind of the WHO really depend upon the cash and the expertise of these puppet masters. I was shocked that Politico did it, but correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is what you and Naomi Wolf and Dr. Mona and others, a couple others were saying 
a year and a half ago, and you were mocked and ridiculed and deplatformed, uh, and it, you guys had all been at the top of your professions, highly respected, and then you were like in the leper colony because you said about exactly, correct me if I'm wrong, what these guys have come out and proven with this massive investigative report, Dr. Peter McCullough. It's true, Steve. You know, they interviewed dozens and dozens of people. They <clears throat> actually have a lot of information. We've learned that these uh, non-government organizations, which <clears throat> no, no government has accountability over control accounting, uh, that they wielded extraordinary power and direction in pandemic response. Remember the Gates Foundation World, with the World Economic Forum formed CEPI, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness and Innovation, uh, which is a multi-billion dollar organization that has claimed since 2017, there will be multiple uh, pandemics one after another, and there'll only be one response, mass vaccination. You know what I'm worried about though, and I hope this comes to investigation, is the Gates Foundation had its hand in almost every major multi-center treatment trial. And, and 201, Steve, the plug was pulled early before we started to see the emergence of a treatment effect. Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, the biggest one was colchicine. The cold corona trial, uh, still to this day, the largest prospective multi-center randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial done in outpatients, over 4,000. For some reason, they pull the plug before they get to the 6,000 mark, and it just misses miss a primary endpoint. I am speculating that the Gates Foundation and this consortium of non-government organizations intentionally were suppressing treatment to promote the vaccine agenda. I, I want to go back to this because you kind of hit the thing and how World Economic Forum gets their hand. Hey, it's not a conspiracy. It's all laid out there. This is a detailed report. And, and, and like Dr. Malone had some issues with it. It's not perfect, but directionally, it's kind of breathtaking. I want to go back to this key point that you said, hey, World Economic Forum did CEPI, and their, their, their theory is that multiple pandemics are going to happen. It's always going to be a vaccine. But go back and do this again slowly. They had their hand in all these things for, for, for what we call therapies or, or treatments that you, before you get to a vaccine problem, all of those were dismissed, and they had their hand in each one. Just walk us through that again, because to me, that's the big buried lead here. You know, when clinical trials are done, they must be carried out to their conclusion. We can't pull the plug early on them. What happens is we're just left with seeing a signal of benefit, but we don't get the conclusive uh, final result. We don't hit a p-value, a statistically significant result. That was done in study after study of hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and the biggest example I mentioned, colchicine. Uh, <clears throat> this was a, a very large, well-funded, multi-sponsored study of the Montreal Heart Institute. Gates Foundation contributed many millions of dollars, and without any explanation, the trial is stopped early. And it's just short of meeting its goal. And I have to tell you, each one of these trials should have been carried out to their conclusion. We should have had much larger conclusive trials. What we saw from the very beginning, and I think CEPI outlines it the best, is that the featured approach was going to be mass vaccination. They were going to allow as much fear, suffering, hospitalization, and death as possible in order to advance the vaccine agenda. And why do you think, why do you think, not to speculate, but why were they so focused on vaccines when no vaccines had really been created for anything like this? Why do you think they got the hook and they start thinking vaccines, uh, right, vaccines, mass vaccinations had to be the solution? Why do you think that was? 
you know, Gates said it himself back in 2010. He said, he, he, you know, out of all the things he's done, he gets the greatest return on investment of vaccines, 20 to 1 compared to anything else he's done. So he's he's clearly, uh, you know, had an eye on the financial advantages of, of vaccines. But you're right, there's never been a vaccine that we give in the arm that stops an infection in the sinuses. It's never been done. Never been done. Now, if the vaccines would have been nasal mist, uh, administration of a safe vaccine. I don't think any doctor would be against a vaccine program limited for nursing home patients, workers, very careful monthly safety evaluations. But that's not what we saw, Steve. We saw a new genetic platform that uh, very quickly went from optional to uh, highly coerced and pressured, then to mandated. And then it extended all the way down to six-month-old babies. They never had any, any participation in this pandemic. They weren't really a stakeholder. Uh, we quickly lost uh, focus on the high-risk groups. This mass vaccination program got out of control, and, and boy, we've paid the price on safety events. So this is the other thing I wanted to have you on for, because, look, I'm not a professional in this, but having done the pandemic, I've had enough people on, and you know, they've given me all the, the research information or, to look at it, and they come, you know, we get to all the early news feeds on this. It seems like around the world, all of a sudden, people are either backing away from the, the professional groups that were always so adamant about, as you said, coercion first or mandated. All over the world, whether it's England for this group, Denmark for this group, the United States for this group, all of a sudden, it looks like they're running and hiding from the vaccine or the booster. Yet the media is not reporting it like that. I just want to know your opinion because you've been at the cutting edge of this. Is, is there something with the booster? Is there something they understand that they're going to be held accountable for this as governments change in Italy, as governments change in Sweden, as governments change here in the United States, of people that were either vaccine hesitant or, quite frankly, anti the whole vaccine movement. Is it politically they're doing this? Is it medically? What is going on here? Because if you look, there's some definitely sea change in this issue with the boosters or the vaccines, Dr. McCullough. Well, we didn't have too much data to look at, Steve. We had data in eight mice. And I can tell you, I looked at it carefully. The bivalent vaccines did not stop COVID in the mouse model experiments. They completely failed in animal models. They had a, a uh, an antibody rise, but it didn't correlate with stopping the virus. So anybody who looked at those studies carefully understood the bivalent vaccines were going to fail. They knew we were going to fail immediately and the country started backing away quickly. They're trying to save face at this point in time. You mentioned Denmark, Israel's dropped everything, the UK. Every country now is trying to figure out by saving face how to get out of this failed vaccine program. It's obvious the writing's on the wall here. The animal studies failed. There are no human studies. So you can imagine we start to accumulate more safety events. People are gonna immediately point to the absence of human studies and the regulatory agencies have nowhere to hide. You, you go into the book, The, the Courage to, to Face COVID-19. I mean, how could this have happened? Now, now you start talking about it in hindsight, and what you guys were saying at the time is correct, but how could the whole apparatus, was it because they were controlled by these NGOs? I mean, how did CDC, how did FDA, how did things that people historically hadn't paid that much attention to, but when they did, they were highly respected. And the kind of when CDC came out and said something, Ebola, all this, you did it. When FDA said something, it was the, 
It was the it was the gold standard. How did this happen in this country? And quite frankly, in advanced nations like Germany and France and the United Kingdom, these are not third world countries. These are uh, the leaders in 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 medicine and vaccines and in public health. How did this happen? You know, it's a it's a wonderful question. It, it seems to be a confluence of of really some mass psychophenomenon. You know, the the uh, the prominent impact of fear and isolation and lockdown seemed to seem to prepare the mind to accept this answer that we were going to just going to have vaccines and assume that they're safe and effective. I agree with you. You know, I was here in Dallas a few years ago. CDC came in and managed the Ebola outbreak here. Uh, you know, we have tremendous respect for the CDC. They've always done terrific jobs. I've, you know, I've been on FDA advisory panels. I've worked with the FDA hand in glove. We've always, you know, it's always done well. Uh, but somehow in the last few fast th- few years, things have become incredibly corrupt. We now have wide open conflict of interest. We have these non-government organizations wielding tremendous amounts of cash and power. Uh, we have the World Health Organization, World Economic Forum, uh, Gates Foundation. They all seem to be on some type of global power grab. You know, when we read Klaus Schwab's book from the World Economic Forum, uh, COVID-19 and the Great Reset, he says it. He says, we will use this opportunity to reset a new world order. And it looks like they're trying to do it. What would you recommend uh, if we, if everybody puts their shoulder to the wheel, like we advocate in the show every day, what would you recommend? To, and let's say we take the House and maybe not the Senate. What would you recommend to Kevin McCarthy and the people in, in the House about what you would recommend as far as an organized, thorough, fair, even-handed, but deep dive investigation into this entire thing, which clearly somebody has to do this. It, it should be at least some commission set up by the House or the House itself. What, how would you recommend? Give me a couple of minutes on what Dr. Peter McCullough would recommend to people to get to the bottom of what actually happened. Well, we have a congressional oversight committee for the FDA, so we must start regulatory malfeasance hearings on the FDA. And that means it will start from the the very beginning. How did the FDA uh, ultimately arrive on this uh, short-tracked approach for these messenger RNA vaccines? Uh, When Pfizer started to accumulate, you know, 1,223 deaths within 90 days, who at the FDA knew about that? Who was communicating with Pfizer and why wasn't it shut down? Pfizer should have been shut down before Moderna and J&J ever came out. So we definitely need congressional oversight investigation. We need to subpoena the FDA officials who are involved with this uh, and and get to the bottom line of that malfeasance because so many lives were lost. We clearly need investigation and oversight over the CDC and particularly the CDC and its collusion with social media. Uh, American First Legal, many other uh, attorney firms through uh, FOIA have uncovered that the CDC was crafting a false agenda and using social media to manipulate people's accounts and manipulate uh, artificial intelligence uh, to give Americans a different view of COVID-19 than what was reality. They were intentionally suppressing early treatment in order to promote mass vaccination. Same thing with YouTube and, and Facebook. We need committee hearings there. Our government agencies should have nothing to do with social media. They should not be manipulating social media uh, in any way. And then I think we need some type of international committee 
to investigate the, uh, the Trusted News Initiative that was announced by the British Broadcasting Corporation. We need to figure out who signed on to the Trusted News Initiative, uh, CNN or MSNBC, Fox, figure out who signed on to it, who made these decisions, and, and, and we have to break this. We can never have the mainstream media start to actually make, make an impact in public health, because if the, if the impact is in the wrong direction, lives are going to be lost, and that's exactly what happened. Dr. McCullough, how do people get to the book? Because I think a starter, and look, these investigations are going to be massive. You need some primers. How do they get to your book? How do they get to your website? How do they follow you on social media? My uh, link tree is petermcculloughmd.com. It'll take you to the book website, which is chris2facecovid.com. You can always follow me on my podcast every weekend on America Out Loud Talk, Radio McCullough Report. And, and most nights I'm on TV, Fox, Newsmax, Real America. I've been on ABC. Happy to go on all the stations. I've been with this from the very beginning, Steve, in terms of I published the first paper on how to treat the illness. And uh, first and foremost, I put American lives first. And, 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 and I, I honestly, uh, it's just such a shameful time for medicine and our public health agencies right now. The last three years have been a disaster. Do Dr. McCullough, you've been a hero and a patriot. And uh, as this goes forward, you're even going to, I think people, even people that uh, didn't agree with you at the beginning or understand that you stood in the breach and really put it all on the line professionally to speak truth to power and to try to save lives like good doctors should. So very honored to have you on here, sir. Thank you for joining us in the war room. Thank you, Steve. These heroes every day. I mean, McCullough is a man of courage. What did, uh, what did Churchill say? Courage is the most important of all virtues because it is upon courage that all the other virtues rest. Tomorrow at 10 o'clock, we're going to be back at fair for two hours, but we're going to have breaking news, capital markets, all of it. But we're going to talk about the border. We're going to talk about the invasion of the United States of America tomorrow morning in the war room. There will never be peace in Europe while Putin is in the Kremlin. So we have to be strong. We have to be prepared for the worst case and we have to face him down. Putin's nuclear threats have jolted the world into action. Joe Biden, Liz Truss and President Zelensky of Ukraine all spoke out against Russia at the United Nations. This was Zelensky. Ukraine wants peace. Europe wants peace. The world wants peace. And we have seen who is the only one who wants war. There is only one entity among all UN member states who would say now, if he could interrupt my speech, that he's happy with this war, with his war. One of our guides throughout the war has been General Sir Richard Sheriff. He was NATO's Deputy Supreme Allied Commander in Europe. He once warned us that this conflict would be as bad as World War II. We could all remember he actually came on this program on the day, 24th of February, when it happened, and we can remember his chilling words then. Uh, Richard joins us now. Good morning to you. Good morning, Steve. Uh, how dangerous a moment is this when you saw what Putin was saying? You've mentioned this sort of the, the threat of World War III. Where do you gauge the current situation post-Putin's uh, remarks? Uh, it doesn't change the price of fish. This has been as, as dangerous a moment, a dangerous a time as, the, as, as, as Europe has seen since the end of the Second World War. Um, but the bottom line, and you said it when in your opening remarks, this is this is bluff. Um, this is the mark of a desperate man. Uh, he's looking to reinforce failure. He's scrabbling around, desperate to try and stem the 
chaotic retreat of Russian forces recently in Ukraine. But the bottom line as well with Putin is, remember, he only respects strength, as is the traditional thing with Russia, and we have got to remain strong. So what the Prime Minister said in New York is absolutely right. And also, of course, I, I, back, I, I completely second what President Zelensky said. There will never be peace in Europe while Putin is in the Kremlin. So we have to be strong, we have to be prepared for the worst case, and we have to face him down. And does that mean driving him out of Ukraine and ultimately, uh, therefore, that would drive him out of power in Russia? Is that the end game, that the, 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 best, po- the, best, the best case scenario, perhaps? It, what, what, happens, uh, what happens in Russia is for the Russians to decide. But yes, absolutely, the end state, as far as this war is concerned, must be victory for Ukraine, defeat for Russia. And victory for Ukraine means Ukraine regains all Ukraine's sovereign territory. Um, and that is going to require the West and NATO to double down on military support, to support the Ukrainians, to reinforce the success that they've recently enjoyed. Um, how worried are you about this game he's playing with the, with, uh, the referendums in, in areas uh, like Lugansk and, and, and Donetsk, where effectively he'll fix the referendum, he'll say this is now a Russian soil. No one will buy that in the international community, but he'll say that. Is there a concern then that Ukraine uses Western weapons to fire into those reasons, regions and is so... Therefore, attacking Russian soil in Russia's eyes does that change the equation in any way? It, it 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 increases risks, but as I've said again and again, the way to manage the risks is not to be faced down by them, but to be prepared to face up to them, and that means being prepared for the worst case, which is war with Russia. Uh, this means deterring Russia, and this is um, we're not clearly the West is not NATO is not going to to attack Russia, Russia sovereign territory. Um, it's up to the Ukrainians to, 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 to fight the war the way they want to fight it with Western support. Um, but we in the West, we in NATO must ramp up our capability and be prepared for the worst case. And if that worst case is a nuclear strike in Ukraine, is that effectively a moment where war would have to come? You would get World War Three because we, the, the West couldn't tolerate that strike. Even though it's not on a NATO country, that would be a game-changing moment and we would have war with Russia. NATO, the NATO line will not change, that NATO will only go to war if it is attacked. Um, so, you know, that, that remains off the scale. However, the risk remains of escalation and nuclear escalation. Uh, we should not be complacent about that, although I think it, I think fundamentally it is bluff. Um, but the way to, as I say, the way to manage that risk is to be ready with a with a very, very powerful, strong NATO deterrent. But that's, I mean, that's an interesting point there, because if the nuclear strike were to happen, and let's say, well, we don't imagine it will, but it's not impossible. I don't, we, we can't say, we couldn't rule it out entirely, could we? If that were to happen in Ukraine and NATO's position remains, well, it didn't happen on a NATO country, so we're going to do nothing, then there isn't a deterrent there, really, for Putin uh, in, the, in, in that area, is there? Well, it's it, it clearly clearly what happens in, in such an eventuality will could could easily change the um, could change the equation completely. But the fundamental fact remains that NATO is a defensive alliance, but is committed to supporting Ukraine. Do what needs to be done, and therefore will continue to give or should continue to give Ukraine to do the tools to do the job. You said that the ultimate deterrent is war with Russia. Is there appetite? Do we have the stomach for that? Do you feel? Well, the ultimate, the ultimate uh, threat is war with Russia. But we have to recognise that we live in exceptionally dangerous times and should be prepared for the worst case. Anything else would be, would be foolhardy. 
And are we prepared for the world? I guess the question that follows, do you think in, in Whitehall we're prepared for that? In, in NATO we're prepared for that? Um, has that been war-gamed? Has that been conceived of, do you think? That that, that, is, that, that, that is an unfortunate and completely unwanted end game, but it's, it's there to be prepared for? The, answer, the simple answer to that is no, we're not ready. Being ready for war means uh, rebuilding military capabilities which have been effectively thrown away during the years of, of disarmament in, in, in the West and in European countries, including Britain. Uh, it means building up stocks of ammunition, of weapons, of, of missiles. Uh, it means it means ramping up our military capability. Uh, and this is going to require significant defense spending to do that. And it's not going to be achieved overnight. Um, but this is very much a sort of come-as-you-are party. We should start where we are and do what we can to build up capability. But it needs a fundamental mindset shift, not only in this country, but also in, in across the 30 member states of NATO as well. So it's a really interesting point to see whether that mind uh, shift will happen. Uh, uh, General Sir Richard Sheriff, thank you for joining us as ever. Thank you very much. He is NATO's Deputy Supreme Allied Commander in Europe. And uh, you can tell from, from his voice and what he's saying that it, there, this is clearly a moment of, of deep concern and crisis with what Putin is planning. Mr. President, may I ask you about inflation? It's weird that you're not even blinking. Blink once if I can ask you about inflation. Strong communicator. I like that. Okay, inflation is at a 40-year high. Pretty good shape, huh? No, actually, inflation is like golf. A high score is bad. As a result, many Americans are struggling to put food on the table for their families. They're scared. Inflation is at 8.3%. Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Inflation rate month to month was just, uh, 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 just an inch. Inflation is measured in percentage points, not inches. Inches are used more for measuring distance. Do you think it's good news that you're not even aware how inflation is measured? No, I'm not saying it is good news, but it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. Those are the same number. We're in a position where for the last several months it hasn't spiked. It has just barely, it's been basically even. I like how now you're using your hands to measure inflation. It seems more exact, and I think it adds more credibility to your answer. Now, because it's a major concern for many Americans, I'd like to ask you, is the border secure? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. But for the record, blink once if we're still not allowed to be honest about that. Got it. Now in our country, some dangerous extremists have said you lack the mental focus for the job of president. They've even used the term dementia. Now, we know their claims are nothing but misinformation based on racism because they're white and you're white. But just humoring them for a moment, if you were to do a bit of a role play or an impression, if you will, of a man who does have dementia and you were responding to their unsubstantiated claims of mental decline, how would that sound? <laughs> I, say it's, I think it's, I, I haven't, look, I have trouble even mentioning, even saying to myself my own head the number of years. I no more think of myself as being as old as I am than fly. I mean, it's just not, uh, uh, I haven't observed anything in terms of, there's not things I don't do now that I did before, whether it's physical or mental or anything else. 
Well, that's pretty good. The incomplete sentences and how each one conveys no complete thought or information, yet each sentence tries to build on the previous incomplete sentence. I'd say it takes a lot of mental focus to put together an impression that good. At times when you're leaving this stage after a speech, most of the time actually, you seem confused as to where to go and what's happening. And in those moments when it finally occurs to you again, oh, I'm the president, what goes through your mind? How that could possibly happen. How one, anyone could be that irresponsible. Hmm. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. That's also what goes through the minds of most Americans in those moments. Now, Mr. President, if you theoretically wanted to start World War III, principally between the U.S. and China, how would you answer the following question? If China were to invade Taiwan, would the U.S. defend Taiwan? Yes. Yeah, that would probably do it. Let's just hope no one ever asks you that and you say that for real. Do you still have voluntary bowel control? No. Well, I appreciate your honesty. And it makes me curious, if you're ever warned when someone's going to be taking you out of the house, do you ever try to go poopy on the toilet ahead of time? No, not ahead of time. Fair enough. In your daughter Ashley's diary that she wrote, she indicates that you showered with her at inappropriate ages. And she goes on to say that she thinks she may have been sexualized by you. What's your response to the naysayers who think you shouldn't have sexualized your own daughter? Watch me. And in those moments when you were looking at her nude body in a way that she says made her feel uncomfortable, what did you say to your daughter? Let's take a look. Let's take a look at what's happening. Very comforting fatherly words, if I may say so. And did you sniff her? Yes. Some people speculate that you may have done the old weaponize the FBI routine and use them to confiscate Epstein's little black book. Mr. President, do you know where Epstein's client list is? I got that. You do? Well, will you be turning it over to law enforcement so justice can be served? No. Oh, good. I can see how it's better this way. But what would you say to someone who has another copy of Epstein's client list and was thinking about turning it over to law enforcement? Don't. 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 That's good advice. Oh, and pro tip. Probably don't let Hunter take a turn washing over that thing. Otherwise, the cleanup work on that could be a pretty heavy lift. Mr. President, in closing, you've sold your soul to corporate interests, pharmaceutical companies, and the deep state long ago. But what would you say to a young person who's thinking about acting on the same temptation? Tain. And it's just so, so unnecessary. So wrong. I think young people can learn a lot from that. And thank you for all of this, Mr. President. This has been very enlightening. From all the American people on the half of the country that you don't hate, we wish you well in what is sure to be a very strong re-election campaign. Do I need to drop you off anywhere? Old age home? I'll have him pull the car around. 
Just Say No to Satan. It's one of the newest designs in my freedom shop. And I don't know why, but a lot of people have been buying these. I guess there's a lot of dangerous extremists out there from what I'm told. But if you'd like to get yours along with any of the other classic designs, you can go to awakenwithjp.com and proudly wear the message. Hi, I wanna thank the sponsor of today's video, a company that I absolutely love. Bond Charge, the makers of my favorite evidence-based blue light blocking glasses. And these are Bond Charge's light sensitivity glasses. Do you know what's gonna help your sleep at night? Well, it sure as heck isn't a bunch of stupid decorative pillows that you can't even use because they're just uncomfortable and get in the way. But blocking blue light at night will help your sleep. In the afternoon, I put on a pair of Bond Charge's light sensitivity glasses because I'm on my computer a lot doing writing and the blue light from my computer, even if it's during the day, it's causing eye strain on me. And I don't like that, but I'm gonna be honest with you because I'm a blue light blocking maximalist. When the evening comes, I'm taking off my Bond Charge light sensitivity glasses and putting on my Bond Charge blue light blocking glasses to block out even more blue light because I like to feel and function my best. And do you know what I'm not doing? I'm sure as hell not coming into my bedroom to put more decorative pillows on my bed because that doesn't work. Like it, it literally just irritates me. Bond Charge's full array of blue light blocking products helps me feel and function my best. So I can look at days of poor energy, poor sleep, poor mood, and say goodbye to those days while I take control over how I feel and function. Now, a lot of the great habits that help optimize your sleep and how you feel and function are amazing and I recommend doing them, but unfortunately, a lot of them take a lot of time. But putting on a pair of Bond Charge's blue light blocking glasses takes approximately three seconds. So you get a new routine that helps optimize your sleep and how you feel and function without it taking extra time out of your day. If you wanna join me in enjoying the benefits of what Bond Charge has to offer, go pick yourself up a pair of Bond Charge's blue light blocking glasses at bondcharge.com JP. And because you're a viewer of mine, you get 15% off when you use the discount code JP, which is named after me. Enjoy.